it is way faster to acquire a business and the customers and the employees and the talent and the systems and the machinery than it is to go and start from scratch and start that new location. And so being able to do that is, is a huge advantage, but then also you're also potentially reducing your competition. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep dive. Martin, something that I've always appreciated about you is your knowledge of history and art, literature. I had no idea where cat, he let the cat out of the bag came from and you've just shared it with me. Why don't you uh, inform our listeners because I don't think they know a pig in a poke. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. One of my son's friends, a uh, very smart and attractive young lady, when they were in high school, said, you're just like my dad. You're full of corny jokes and useless information. <laughs> and I said, well, you about, about caught it all. This is among that. I think most people have heard the, the expression, uh, let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. And not as many know where that came from. But in medieval Europe, a farmer or a serf or whatever they were would go to market with a piglet to sell and then have it in a bag that they called uh, a tote, you know, and so or a, a poke sack. And so they'd be taking a pig in a poke sack to market and sell it. And if somebody bought it and they opened it up and a cat jumped out, they were obviously defrauded. But that's letting the cat out of the bag. And then the, the other expression is he bought a pig in a poke, which means you got beat because you didn't look. So uh, we don't want anybody today on their subject to be buying a pig in a poke, right? Because we really don't. We really somebody's going to let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> so we're talking about growth by acquisition today. And we are, you know, we've talked about this so many times in the past, uh, acquisition, but we haven't really necessarily touched on it specifically as a growth tactic. So... I want to do a refresh today of, you know, buying a business, valuing a business, um, and then we can jump into more of the growth aspect and making a case for why you should or shouldn't uh, grow by acquisition. So episodes, I know, and I think it's episode 86, we talked to Hank Bacchus about selling your business. We talked to Larry Hughes uh, early on in one of the first 20 episodes, I believe, for Cashflow Contractor about uh, selling a business. But we haven't really approached it as the buy from the other side of buying a business right. that much. So let's talk about the value of a business. What are some of the factors? Let's get a little refresh of what are the factors that add value to your business and give it its value. Yes, and I'm glad you said that because everything we've done so far has really been from our standpoint that we want to sell our business. Yeah. We're now looking at the other side. We want to buy one, right? And I should say, so, Martin... We had an episode uh, fairly recently, the, earlier this fall, with Chris Edwards that we'll link in the show notes that it's a fantastic episode where he right. goes in and buys a business with a completely different mindset than the common contractor, I would say, that starts from scratch. Um, so, yeah, uh, go ahead and give us some of those those factors. Yeah, that's true, and, and uh, I forgot about that one, but you're exactly right. Uh, this came up and is a topic today because I have two clients who are making offers on businesses this week. I spoke to both of them and finalized their offers yesterday. So it's fresh on my mind. 
And if you're out there listening and thinking, oh, this might be interesting, but that's not me, I'm little, uh, neither one of these companies is massive. One is has sales in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. The other is in the $7 million range, and they're both seeking to grow by acquisition. So to your to the, to the review, how are businesses valued? We ought to review that again. And the very simplest way to say it is it's profits times a multiple. Uh, profits, if you go to your profit and loss statement, look at the bottom line on your income statement, there's your, there's your net profit. Uh, they adjust the profits for several things, such as depreciation and interest. They add those back. You would add back maybe some perks that you have that you've been a Cadillac Escalade or some real high-dollar insurance policies. So you can adjust them to increase your profits. But basically, net profits times a multiple. Net profits, we just said they're there to be seen. What's the multiple? The multiple is the market for whatever you're doing. It's the market if you're buying, and uh, it's, it's the market if you're selling. So they would range, I mean, I've seen this year multiples that range from one, so one times earnings. If your business made $100,000, the value of your business is $100,000, to uh, 12. So if your business made $100,000, it's worth $1.2 million. Yeah. Okay? So why we that might be another is, episode on how to increase your multiple sure but obviously if the value of your company is profits times a multiple and you double your profit you will double the value okay if the profits remain the same but you double somehow the multiple you will double your the value of your business if you do both double your profit and double the multiple your business will be worth four times as much. Yeah. And so being aware of those things, there are things you absolutely can do to increase profits. We talk about that a lot and also to increase your multiple. Now for listeners who might be inclined to go to their profit loss statement, look at it and multiply it times. Let's just say a real standard, nothing special multiple would be three. So you look at your profit loss and you multiply it times three and you go, you're crazy, man. Uh, my business is worth a lot more than that. My, my equipment, my trucks, my real estate, all these. Well, first of all, real estate doesn't go in the price of a multiple. And second, if you have equipment and inventory and a lot of things that are worth more than that number, well, then if you want to sell your business, you're selling your assets and not your business. Does that make sense? Right. Asset so sell versus That's just sell. if somebody... Yeah, but somebody just looks at it and says, they're crazy. Um, we'll talk about it later, but if you start thinking in terms of the value of your business, start thinking, I want to double profit because I'm going to double my value, and I also want to double the multiple so I can quadruple my value. When you start thinking like that as a business owner, you're on a different level. A lot of us manage for profit, and a lot of us manage to not pay taxes. We do a lot of things, some above board and some not, that, so that our profit and loss shows a zero on there so we don't have to pay taxes. Well, if you, let's say you do a dollar's worth of work under the table for cash to save 40 cents taxes. You've, at, a four, at a three multiple, you just lost $3 of value. Exactly. Right? So 
And if you are able to up your multiple from a three to six, you've lost uh, $18 worth of value. Yeah. Right. No, $6 worth of value. Sorry. Slow it's the, the so. classic saying, shortcuts lead to dead ends. Right. Um, oh, that's I good. mean, it's, it, you're, yeah, you want to save on some taxes and buy that new truck or like, Martin, honestly, you said something earlier that I feel like is really hard to do, but you made a Cadillac sound even more luxurious. Um, <laughs> you called it an Escalade versus an Escalade. Well, and, yeah, that's because I'm cosmopolitan, <laughs> whatever that means. But yeah, if you're going to go buy that Escalade and uh, save some money on your taxes, then uh, <laughs> yeah, you're missing out on a, on a potential you know large amount of money from uh, selling your business at a, at a high multiple. So just a different approach and different level of business. So obviously we understand a little bit, if, if, if that wasn't enough of a recap of how to value your business, we have several episodes that we'll link in the show notes that you can check out. But uh, I wanna go into, you know, we're talking about growth by acquisition, what the common practices are for growth that people usually think of when they think they wanna grow their business. And, you know, I talk to companies all the time. They're like, yeah, we, we want to start doing more marketing, right? And they think that they're just going to start posting on social media and they're going to start seeing some results. And you can if you have not been doing that at all. Uh, but typically it's not, yeah, you can go from one to two and maybe from two to three, but three to four is not very easy. Usually you've got to really invest a lot of money or time or energy and find some differentiation uh, if you're going to continue down that same path of just doing the marketing especially as a contractor, uh, they, they also might say, I'm going to hire a new salesperson or I'm going to create a new sales department. Maybe you're going to start implementing a new sales process that's going to help your conversion rate and help get you more leads uh, because people are using it more effectively. Other common growth practices are to you know, start thinking about hiring a new division or adding a new service or you know, a new location. Uh, and starting from scratch when doing that. But there's a lot of challenges that come with that as well with, you know, I listened to a podcast from Todd Graves, CEO of Keynes, um, founder of Keynes. And he's, when they went from one to two locations, he said it was harder than going from 50 to 100. Sure. Uh, because there, he couldn't be in two places at once. And it's the first time he realized that. And so if, if you're, if you're going to grow by just starting a new location, uh, you're probably in for a treat. <laughs> well, that's when you find out whether or not you have effective systems or not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the first step in growth is to start another, well, some before that, but if you're going to do it before you franchise and go all over, start something that you can get there and go watch and see what it takes to make it work. Yeah. And then you can begin to replicate those systems and processes. But, it, but your point, I think, is that it's lengthy, it's fraught with danger. Uh, you need to hire and acquire people to yeah. scale the business. Uh, and as we all know, people right now are a little bit hard to find. It's not impossible, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you do have people, maybe you've got three or four months before you find out they're the, not the right people and you have to do it again. So it can be a lengthy, drawn-out process to acquire the skill are the people to execute your plan. Uh, you need to have cash. People, uh, if you double your business, challenge people to think about, and we can 
we have talked about it in working capital episode, but how much money do you need to do that? Yeah. And it, you need to, you need to know that, uh, cash or at least working capital available to do it. Um, so <laughs> you have, you have to, as you grow, create systems that handle that. Uh, you reach a point where you can't, like your Keynes guy, be everywhere at once. Yep. So you have to find people you can delegate to who will execute the way you want to, and you have to find ways to track what they're doing and measure them without micromanaging to see if they're going off course. So it's, it's a lengthy, I mean, obviously it can be done, and it probably is the majority of the way growth is done is organically, systemically through through your business, but it's a, it tends to be a slower path yeah. to growth, and that's why people typically acquire. I mean, that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, that's why you would acquire. But I think it's a it's a different level of thought to think. Oh, maybe I can just go acquire. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around there around acquiring that it's going to cost too much. That I don't have the money to do it that there's no way they would sell. Um, and yeah, there's it's just not even a thought in their mind, like, oh, I'm going to buy a business like that. That's good. It's not, it's not realistic. And so I want to think about how to uh, talk about how to approach growth by acquisition. We talked about profits versus multiple a little bit already. Um, what else do you think has to change in the business owner's mindset to think we're going to go and acquire that, that business next door or down the road? Well, you have to have purpose and understand why you're doing it. That's that's the number one thing. And then you have to be cautious about what you're buying and do due diligence uh, in that. Not only legal due diligence, make sure everything's buttoned up right, but people will one reason people want to acquire maybe a competitor is they want to buy their customer list. They think, well, this is man, I'll get access to five hundred more customers. Well, you have to know why does that person you're buying have those customers? Also, why are they selling? Mm-hmm. It, and quite often, it's because they're not making any, any money. Right. And so you have to look at the customers and say, oh, I'll get those customers. Well, maybe they got the customers because they're the low-priced consumer or producer. Mm-hmm. And you are not the low-priced producer. So you try to assimilate those customers into your business, and you find out they drop like flies going to the next guy who's the low-priced. So understanding what you're getting in terms of customers as an asset. They're not really an asset, but we all know what we're talking about. Um, you need to know the capital that will be required to run that business. So you need to have an understanding of working capital um, and understand what it's going to take, what, what resources you're going to have to dedicate. Uh, the people that are coming along, if a lot of times a seller does not want to tell his or her employees that they're thinking of selling, right? And if that's the case and you're buying something and, the, and your uh, employees of your target company don't know about the sale, you're acquiring some serious problems. They need to know about the sale and they need to be enthusiastic about it and they need to see why joining your company benefits them, right? Mm-hmm. So... That's that's another thing you need to make sure of is that the team knows about it. That usually comes later in the process, not of course during the early acquisition discussions, but certainly before you uh, you close the deal. Um, 
it's a little bit the same thing, but it's cultural assimilation. Uh, if you run your company as efficiency and everybody likes it and they love being productive and you've created that culture in your business and you bring in somebody where everybody comes in whenever they want to, they're kind of their own, running their own fiefdom. Yeah. They have their own project. Don't mess with me. There's going to be a clash when you try to assimilate those two cultures. Um, it could be as simple as something as software. We use this software and that's what we use. And in the cabinet business, I know for a fact there are a lot of cabinet vision and microbellum and others that I can't even remember. And you use a completely different system. Yeah. Well, somebody's going to have to learn a new system, right? So you need to consider those types of things. Yeah. Um, I think the cultural assimilation and uh, operating capital are probably the two most difficult. Yeah, those are huge cautions. And I think you mentioned customer list. I think it's not even just about understanding why those customers are at that company rather than yours, whether it's price or whatever. But if they are actually up to date still, some of those customers might be 10 years old and you've right. got this great list and you're excited to have them and to be able to to work with them or maybe they have a personal relationship with the customer. It could be anything. And then you get the list and none of them really want to work with you. And if that's the reason right. you were buying the business, it, maybe that's shot. Well, hopefully that and the other assets you're buying, um, like machinery and equipment and, mm -hmm. and inventory, hopefully, not hopefully, you're crazy if you write a check before you've verified all those things. Exactly. Do and that, that's literally what due diligence is. Yeah. You know, you can have an operator, you know, typically get a, maybe a three month period where they agree not to sell to somebody else and you get to come inspect what, what you're buying and yeah. make your decision and make adjustments if, if necessary. So we've listed out some cautions here and you know, how to approach it, what to think about, but there's s several advantages. I want to, you know, for, for a lot of people out there that are resistant to maybe buying a business in their mind, they have a limiting belief. A lot of it comes down to the financing. Uh, they don't know that they can finance it or afford it. But that's not the reality. Most businesses are financed somehow, whether it's through this, the, the seller or through a bank. Um, why don't you, I mean, you've, you've seen several different agreements out there, but a seller sure. financing is fa fairly common, right? Where yeah, they'll be paid out over five of, years or whatever. Yeah, well, I, I won't pick a time. It could sure. be five years, could be less or more, could be contingent on sales and earnings. The number one source of financing for business sales is a selling owner. And uh, typically, I mean, just what I've seen, they can be whatever you can arrange, but they'll get some level of cash. Let's say half the yeah. value they get paid up front. And then the rest is on an earn out, which uh, sellers don't like for the, you know, what they'll say is, well, you'll run my business into ground and then there won't be anything for me to take back and you won't be able to pay me in. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. So they have to have confidence in you too, but typically that's how it's done. Some portion is paid up front in cash at closing. Uh, another portion is paid out over time. You can, now we're going to assume that your core business, your business is profitable. You know, you're not struggling yourselves right. and trying to acquire somebody to bail you out. But if you have a profitable business and you have, and they have the company that you're acquiring has financials, you can say, Hey, this is what they're doing now at their ratios, this man hours per dollar produced uh, production or whatever. And, but in my company, we're doing twice as well. 
So I'm going to take their sales numbers, but I'm going to bring them over and put my numbers against it and say, this is where we're going to go. People like the SBA, I mean, I know probably five in the last two years, the SBA will, will fund those kinds of acquisitions. And yeah. some of the down payment money can be what the owner, the seller, is carrying. So you can finance it. Uh, and it's a good idea if you're financing to buy, you also finance to acquire some working capital because there will be assimilation costs. And then if you're buying, let's say the acquisition doubles your sales, you're going to need twice the amount of working capital. Right. I mean, you, you just are. <laughs> I mean, you can get more and more and more and more efficient, but still you're going to need more working capital. So you need to, to plan for that as you go forward. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, I think other advantages that we haven't really mentioned just yet is it is way faster to acquire a business and the customers and the employees and the talent and the systems and the machinery than it is to go and start from scratch and start that new location. And so being able to do that is, is a huge advantage, but then also you're also potentially reducing your competition. Right. It, that depends on location and all that, but right. the the people that I'm thinking about in the last year are all buying out a competitor. Right. And so at least theoretically, well, it's more than theoretically, you're reducing your competition. Yeah. So absolutely, you, you get that advantage as well. Yeah. And I, how many times do we talk about the the uh, you know the push through, where you're trying to grow your business and you're also trying to manage your capacity. And it's just this constant balancing act and headache of, okay, well, I got to grow sales, but then I've got to hire more employees so I can meet the capacity for the sales. And then I've got to have the employees so that I can sell. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. Well, I, in an ideal world, the advantage of growing by acquisition is that you're able to do both simultaneously and increase your capacity while increasing your sales. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and there are all sorts of ad potential advantages to save on overhead. Actually, you don't save on overhead, but you spread the overhead over more sales, more production. Right. So you can maybe quantify or consolidate your accounting methods, uh, consolidate your sales efforts. And in one of these two that happened this week, or it will, the offers were made this week, they will shut down a plant where the, of the acquired company and move everything into the plant of the acquiring company. Now in their situation, they have the room to do that and the capacity, but that's a tremendous, uh, just yeah. utilities and lease payments. Yeah. Tremendous just that alone right is going to be a huge right. save. Yeah. Goes, goes right to the bottom line. Well, and not just to the bottom line, but to the value of the business because well, this, the profit you've, you may have just doubled your profit by not paying utilities and, uh, yeah. lease and all that stuff. And now you have a higher, you know, not multiple, but a higher value. We've been talking about a three multiple. I'm going to just say four cause the math's easier. Um, <laughs> but if you, uh, are saving $125,000, $125,000 in lease payments and maybe another hundred thousand in utilities a quarter of a million dollars for multiple, you just made a million dollars. added a million dollars to the value of your company. Yeah. And so our listeners, we are aware that if a multiple to realize the benefit 
of that, you have to actually sell your company, right? The fact that you have a, a piece of paper on your desk that says, wow, I just made a million dollars, increase my company is a million dollars. That That's true, but that's where it starts, right. right? You have to be aware and say, man, I am managing for value, not just for profit. Profit is a part of value, but yeah. it's not, it, it's a fraction of the value. So we've talked about like some of the benefits that you get from you know, the advantages of growing by acquisition. And we've kind of touched on these little opportunities that also come along with the growth because you're trying to grow by acquisition. You're trying to grow your business and you can effectively do that by acquiring a company, but there's opportunities out there to increase the value of your business, but also take it even further uh, in a, when, when you also acquire a company. So uh, one is arbitrage. Uh, right. Uh, arbitrage multiple. Mul multiple arbitrage. Multiple arbitrage. Woohoo, man. Got that wrong. <laughs> um, so let, let's explain the that thought process. I have at least three clients, absolutely, positively, this is their strategy. This is what they're doing. That's just my clients. Private equity firms, hedge funds, uh, venture capital. Well, venture capital is a little different, but. This is what they do, and this is why they do it. And it's called multiple arbitrage, fancy way of saying, take advantages of differences in the marketplace. So if you have a company that does $5 million in sales, th these are gonna be random numbers, but proportionately they're okay, uh, and it makes $100,000, you might get a three multiple for that, but just pulled that out of the air. So five million, Make make $100,000, get a three multiple. That's not very efficient, but that's the example. If you, through acquisition, increase your sales to $10 million and you still only make 100000 so that's even less efficient, but you will probably double your multiple because a company with $10 million of sales is worth more, typically. There's no law, but that's the market than a company with five million of sales. A company with five million of sales is worth more than a company with a million dollars of sales that makes the same 100,000. Even though you say, wow, that million dollar guy is way better than the other two. Well, it's what the market says, right? So what people do consciously is go out and try to buy companies, not try, they do buy companies at a one or a two multiple when their company already is worth a four multiple, so they've doubled their money if they buy it at two and they have it at four, then they try to take it to, to the next level where maybe it's worth eight or 10, right? But they buy companies at some available lowball market, put them together to get the sales up. I mean, we're talking 10 million. They also try to do it to get to 100 million, to get to a billion, and they get all these increases in value in the multiple. Uh, they also typically bring in better management, the efficiencies we talked about, so they get the profit up. And it really, they just do it in two, three years, maybe five. They, we, we cavalierly say, oh, they're going to flip it. Well, okay, that's they're buying businesses to flip them. Well, what they're doing is buying businesses at one or two or three and trying to sell them at a 10. Right. And in the meantime, get their profit up. So you know, higher multiple times the higher profit, as we said, is an exponential gain in value. That's what they do. That's what yeah. they exist for. And uh, 
We can all do it too. It doesn't that you don't have to be a private equity fund. You just yeah. go out there, run efficiently, increase your sales and increase both your profit and multiple and get an exponential gain when you decide to sell. If you decide to sell. Yeah. It's it's really fascinating and it's a different tier, like we said, of thinking as a business owner that you're gonna go and do multiple arbitrage. Um but you can absolutely go do it. Well, with that, especially with that fancy name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, other opportunities that are out there. I mean, we kind of already talked about the economies of scale that, you know, you already have your overhead, but if you can just grow your your business through acquisition and spread your overhead out, then effectively you can have more profit um, at the end of the day and, and spend less on, you know, the team that's running that capacity. Um We've talked a little bit of that scale premium you just mentioned in, in that multiple arbitrage where, you know, a, the more revenue you do, the more value your business technically has, because that's what the market says. Um, I think you're not just growing by acquisition. Like what if you're, what if you know that there's some key players on that team that you're about to have that company that you're about to buy? Like you can grow really just to acquire the talent, right? right. I mean, You've seen that. Hopefully, before. hopefully you get more than that, but that is a significant um, element of one of the guys who's been this week. He's getting some rock star. Hey, I saw a thing on the Super Bowl said we're not supposed to call business people rock stars. So, that did you see that commercial? I didn't see it. <laughs> anyway, they're making fun of business people calling each other rock stars. So, anyway, you one of the reasons he's buying that company is to get some really top notch salespeople and skilled uh, production employees. Hmm. So that that wouldn't be the reason alone to buy the company for what he's paying, but he's getting them, they know about it, they're excited to come over to him because he's a better operator than the selling company and they know it, provides more opportunities for them. And yeah. so, yeah, that you, actually you, you get that, the skilled people, and mm -hmm. you get to know some about them. They're in your industry, we're assuming that they're in your industry and you can see the quality of the work and you know who needs to not be there. And <laughs> we were talking about that, how many of the employees would come over and he said, well, I'm not letting anybody go. He said, but when they come over to my environment, this is one of my clients this week, when they come over to my environment and see how we operate, they will self deselect <laughs> or maybe they'll change. But if yeah. they don't change, they're not going to last. And he said, I'm not going to have to fire them. Yeah. They'll, they're not going to enjoy the culture and the environment. They're going to realize they don't fit and they'll be gone. Yeah. But most of them, I think 80%, he really wants to get them. Well, and yeah, and those, those ones that leave, again, that's just reducing the costs of that business. Right. Um, and so, again, you've increased your profit from the acquisition. So, you know, I'd like to point something too. If we sparked any interest in anybody, at least, thinking about acquisitions. Don't presume price either. I am aware of a company that sold, it's been a number of years ago, and the main impetus was that the owner was just done, right? Psychologically, he had checked out, he's worn out, he was still operating, still profitable, not hugely so, but profitable. And his main concern was funding the lease on his building, which had like five years left on it. I mean, otherwise he would have just quit. But he's a, how am I gonna, 
you could buy that company. And I don't remember all the detail. I think somebody did pretty, just by taking over the lease. Because he was done, right? Yeah. Uh, just get me out of this lease and you can have everything. <laughs> and the other side of that is we don't want our clients, our, our listeners, to be among those people who think, oh, my business doesn't have any value. I'm worn out. Mm-hmm. If somebody just get me out of this lease and pay off my line of credit that I'd be stuck with, they could have the keys and everything in it. Yeah. And we don't want our, our people to think like that because it does have value to somebody to bring it in and do multiple arbitrage on it and be worth a lot more than you think it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's so many, so much gold in the episodes that we did with Harry, or so Harry, with Larry Hughes and yeah. um, Hank Bacchus and even Chris Edwards. But you know, some things that stick out to me, like everyone has an exit in their company at some point, whether it's intentional or unintentional, pass away, hand it off to your children, or you have, they have to sell. Whatever happens, there's going to be an exit at some point. So why not be intentional about it? Um, and then. If you think in terms of the value of a business and what you can buy it for, there are distressed businesses out there that you can buy, but think of it in terms of three levers as far as the price that you want to pay. There's one lever that is the timing. Like, is it going to, is it going to sell right now? Is it going to sell in a year? Um, and that's based on the seller. Like how quickly do they want to sell? Like, are they trying to get out right now? Well, the price can be lowered. They want to, if they're willing to wait it out for a couple of years, they can keep that price pretty high. Uh, the next lever is the terms of the sale. Are we doing it, you know, seller financed? Is it an SBA loan? But that can greatly impact the price. Uh, if it's going to be seller financing, then you may have to pay a little bit higher. But if you're going to give them all cash at once, then you may be able to get it a little bit lower. Um, I'm struggling to remember the third one. I had it right before I started this, but the third lever. You've got time, terms, and um, go listen to the episode, and you can serve what that third level is. There's a hook. <laughs> we'll put it, put it in the show notes. Now, the terms is a – I've got a short story. One of my clients, matter of fact, same one who's making an offer this week and has bought companies in the past, but when we were first looking at this, there was a company in his industry – my, my client was looking at adding capacity, building uh, onto his plant, and in a new location, doing a whole lot of things. Well, one of his competitors heard about that. I wanted him to go to lunch. He said, why, why build out? Why don't you just buy me, right? And I'll, I'll use some, they're proportionally correct. They're not the exact numbers, but the guy had $4 million worth of sales. And I don't remember exactly what he made, but he wanted $4 million for the business. And my client came back and he's pretty studious and he's looking at that business maybe earns 5% of sales as a net profit. It's just not worth that much. 5% of 4 million would be 200,000 and you know, four multiple, which would be stronger. That would be like 800,000. He wants 4 million for it. So, he called me up and we went through and he goes, I just can't, can't come up with that number. And we did a little more than this, but I said, well, go back and tell him what you will pay. He goes, oh, I don't want to do that. He said, oh, you know, he wants $4 million and I'm going to offer him one or whatever it was, 800000 a little more than that. He said, I don't want to even, I said, well, why don't you go have lunch with him and 
and just tell him, you know, sorry, and blame it on me. Say you got a business coach, which he doesn't need to do that. He's his own man. But So he goes to lunch with this guy. And the guy says, well, did you come up with a number? He said, well, not. I just can't make it work anywhere you are. He said, uh, I've, been, I've done it seven ways to Sunday, backward forwards, multiplied this and that. And he said, I just can't come up with $4 million. He said, well, what could you? And he said, well, my deepest anal- ana- analysis, the highest I can go is $1 million. The guy just kind of blows up. My wife and I have put our lives in, you know, all the stuff that doesn't matter. My clients said, uh, that's why I didn't want to even bring it up. I knew it didn't insult you. And so they finished their meal. And at the very end, the guy goes, you got any wheel room in that price? In other words, he was all set, but he would, at the very end, he goes, any wiggle room? <laughs> so anyway, he didn't wind up acquiring those guys, but you, you need to know what it's worth to you, and that's where your offer is. That's your maximum offer. And you, you can, anyway, there, we could do a whole episode on how to begin negotiations like that. But yeah. You need to know what it's worth to you and not, not overstate that. So terms matter. And if the terms are, I don't want to take on a $20 million SBA loan, but I will take on a 10. You're going to have to carry it. I'm not going to do that. So, well, then we don't have a deal. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Fascinating episode. I remember that other level is price, whatever the seller wants for it. But that's however high that goes may determine the terms of the length of the sale, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, uh, great. Great topic, growth by acquisition. If you have questions, you can talk to Martin. Um, I can, if you call me, I'll answer some questions and point you to Martin. Uh, and he'll probably point you to somebody else too, but definitely yeah. a, a really good thing to think about and uh, something that you should consider more in your company rather than just trying to spin your wheels on pushing through constantly. Maybe it's time to grow by acquisition. I just want to, one emphasis, hopefully we change people at least start thinking about it. But now that you're thinking about it, Give it some thought, right? That doesn't just mean that, yeah, that's probably a good idea and you go buy some guy's company, right? But there needs to be some thought into it, you know, like the working capital and will the people actually come over and can I actually get those customers? What's the true due diligence value of the company? Does he have receivables, inventory, things like that? But hopefully you start thinking that way and and, uh, start looking for opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Martin, appreciate you. Well, now that we've let the cat out of the bag, people can uh, go acquire a company. There you go. Sounds good. We'll see you, man. Okay. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.